0: Hey there, I'm Charlie Dice and you're listening to the life beyond infertility podcast, a podcast devoted to providing information and sharing stories surrounding how to accept your infertility and learning to live a happy, fulfilled life beyond it. As a life after infertility coach and someone who's personally been through the ups and downs of trying to conceive and passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered to take their lives back and find the joy in them again. I believe this area is a crucial missing link in the infertility space, and by talking about it and sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right, so welcome back to the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. Uh, again, I'm your host, Charlie Dice, and I'm so excited because today I have a very special guest, um, Anya, and she is with the Finding um, Childless Joy Her Instagram is amazing. You guys should go check her out and we will put all of her information in the show notes um, at the end, but we're going to jump right into it today. So, um, Anya, if you can just introduce us to you and your story and kind of how you got to, you know, where you're at right now.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Hi, everybody. I'm Anya, Finding Childless Joy on Instagram. Every word is separated by period. Um I arrived on Instagram in December of twenty twenty. Wow. Everything is just like I'm losing track of time how long it's all been. Um after my failed final failed transfer from IVF, it was December nineteenth when it didn't work out and I just did not know where to turn. It was right before Christmas for those who celebrate and I found myself really alone because everybody just, I think everybody in my life wanted to kind of go on into Christmas with this like celebratory spirit and not be affected by my terrible news. So I was like, what do I do? What do I do? So I posted on my personal page, um, about my final loss. And I've been kind of dropping hints on my social media that like, that's what we're doing. And when the transfer of our final embryo did not work out, I was like, I'm just gonna post it. This is kind of the end of our journey and we're gonna move forward. Um, I had tagged a hashtag. i really honestly, it's all like so far along now. So far, I think I had a hashtag of infertility or IVF fail and I had a lot of people commenting on it. So I actually followed one of the hashtags and right around the same time, one of the main accounts for the infertility posted a post, um, infertility is a gift. And it created a lot of commotion and a lot of opinions on social media. And it really hit me because for me, infertility was not a gift. For me, infertility ended everything I once thought I was gonna have. The dreams of parenthood, the the pregnancy, you know, right. having your baby kick, hearing the heartbeat. Like I'll never experience those things. So I made a post about infertility as a gift, and that's kind of how I gain a lot of traction of a lot of infertile women just commenting and sharing my post and then i was like holy moly like where are they all coming from and all of their handles were infertility related so i kind of followed the white rabbit and fell into this amazing community of infertile women women who understand me women who could relate to me and i want to say december 20th or 21st of 2020 i created i am calm Justin fertile handle that retired like recently retired. And now I'm something else. And I started gaining a lot of like friends and followers and communicating with women and just kind of like developing those bonds of I know what you're going through women that were not telling me, Oh, everything happens for a reason. There was no empty platitudes. There was no toxic positivity. It was compassion, empathy, understanding, and belonging. And for once in my five years of infertility, I felt seen. It was such like a relief to actually know that I'm not alone. And I had, the support, the community, the village that I think we all long for going through anything in life. And then fast forward to January, not really much forward, I actually ended up getting naturally pregnant and come to find out that pregnancy was ectopic. Um, And I did not know that until a little bit later. And I ended up having an ectopic surgery removal, they removed my left ovary along with it. But my beta numbers kept on rising. So I went back to the doctor and they're like i think we should do a dnc because we just want to make sure there's nothing wrong and like there's no um trapped placenta because it could turn into um molar pregnancy it's just a lot could go wrong so i had a dnc and i had two different doctors performing my ectopic removal and my dnc and both doctors kind of were like your uterus is a little bad like a lot of bad like it's terrible we should probably consider hysterectomy after my dnc my ex-husband and I went to the doctor for a follow-up to review the results and he basically was like your uterus is so bad like if you were to get pregnant again you may not make it because it's just so porous there's no muscle tissue and it's best that we just do it and honestly to me that was the most incredible news I've heard as hard as it was to hear but I was like I'm not going to have the monthly visitor. That's going to remind me that I'm a failure. I'm not going to have terrible periods. It's just everything mm-hmm. made sense. So I ended up going through full hysterectomy in April of 2021. And throughout all of this, I didn't have support. I had very little support from the people on the ground from like people in my real life. i had a lot of support from women through the Instagram and internet friends can be real friends. I came home from the hysterectomy surgery after three days or two days in the hospital, two nights in the hospital, to flowers, to care packages, to candles, to socks. Like I felt so whole. I felt so complete. People were sending me meals. People were sending me cupcakes. And it, it was just incredible. I felt for once that what I'm going through is recognized Mm -hmm. because infertility is just kind of hush hush. Nobody cares. Like people don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable, but for once in my life, and because I had this community of four months, I felt not alone. I felt that I had people that were cheering me on and wishing me well. And so I continued to be a part of the Instagram and sharing my story very openly. And I think what kind of kept me going, obviously, is the support that I was receiving. But a lot of people would message me, including you, Charlie, saying, thank you for being so open. Thank you for making me feel seen. Thank you for talking about the ugly and the sad because nobody really talks about it. And I feel that my sadness, my grief, my pain, is just, it's not just an isolated incident. I'm not only one that feels all of this. You've made me feel like my feelings are universal feelings and nobody else just talks about them.
0: And that's why your page just really resonated with me. And I loved it because I think out of all the people that I found on the, you know, social media outlets and everything, like you really are one of the most real, raw, honest pages that I've ever found. And you didn't sugarcoat anything, you didn't hold anything back. And like, I feel like that's something that I mean, everybody has to be comfortable talking about whatever they are comfortable with. But I think that it does a disservice to the infertility community to kind of gloss over those things, because we know that we're feeling them, we know that we're experiencing them, but yet, we're not talking about them. And I think that's just part of, you know, my healing process. I don't know if that's, you know, what it was for you. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, did you find your page to be healing for you? You know, I think it was cathartic. It was healing for me because a,
1: my pain was recognized. And I think when you feel recognized and seen and understood, it allows you to kind of feel it, acknowledge it, accept it and move on. When our experiences are not accepted, are not understood, we doubt them. We question them. And what we end up doing, I personally believe, is we shove them under the rug and we truly never heal through through what we're going through. We're just pretending that everything is great for the sake of others. And I think for me, I, I refuse to be fake. I, I will share pretty much everything I go through. There's obviously some exceptions. I don't get on social media every single day and like walk you through my daily grief. There are days where I struggle getting out of bed. Like I obviously will not pick up my phone and post about it. Mm -hmm. There have been days where I struggled getting through another day in the sense of, do I even want to continue living? You know, and that was not infertility related that was everything related when I went through my separation and then divorce by the time I got to my divorce like I was no longer questioning anything it's the separation that six months that I was in the dark in the dark of the reality of our separation but also in the dark moment of my life but with this page I think infertility childlessness separation divorce all of these topics There's so many women that face them on a daily basis. Um, The grief is so universal, yet is so unique and personal and intimate. But Mm -hmm. if we don't talk about the grief and the hardships, we continue wondering if the grass is always greener on the other side. And the reality of it is, The grass is not greener on the other side people are pretending to put that filter over and show you just the most beautiful parts of their lives and i think a it's disservice to the reality of life it's the disservice to the whole experience the human experience but it's also disservice to everybody else around you because we're not being real we're not being vulnerable and we create the culture of fakeness that's not even a word but i'm gonna i'm gonna use that it creates a culture of I mean, where we have to keep up with the Joneses, the Kardashians, Mm -hmm. where everything is just so beautiful and so positive, this Pleasantville really doesn't exist. Because once you close that camera on your social media, once you put the phone away, you go back to the darkness of your reality. And it's exhausting, I think, to keep that facade of constantly being Mm -hmm. happy. And I also believe that in the long run, you're never healed because you keep on running away from the reality of it. So for me, I, I found my page incredibly therapeutic. For me, I've shared my feelings openly. They were validated. And you think validation is a huge part of healing, mm-hmm. feeling accept, accepted by the world and that your pain is real, that you're not making stuff up, allows you to, as I've mentioned previously, allows you to kind of like move through that pain instead of just shoving it aside and moving it away and b i think it allowed me to share my experience and my story with other women and it gave them an opportunity to acknowledge their feelings and potentially move through that pain rather than shoving it aside and c i feel that even though people come onto my page maybe for a reason or a season or a lifetime you know it's such a cliche saying but i do feel that even if you have some random girl online named anya that cries on her instagram page and you just go and watch her and you feel validated in your own pain just for a short amount of time in your existence i think is important to have that and i recently posted a post on Substack whatever it's called, I think that's what it's called, where I talk about how we go to sad movies to kind of like let our feelings be real. Like I watch Grey's Anatomy when Danny Duquette dies, and I sob when Mr. Big doesn't show up to Carrie's wedding. I sob and I feel so relieved. And so I hope that my page could be that for other people. I hope that they feel validated in their situation.
0: Yeah, I definitely I mean, I know for me, it does. And I I think for sure, for a lot of other women, it does too. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, because you're so open and honest online, I think a lot of women don't want to share their stories, sometimes even with their own families, but especially on social media, because they do fear, you know, we all know that there's negativity online as well. So they fear the the pushback or the, the negativity from folks. Have you experienced any of that? And if you have, like, how do you kind of deal with that? I mean, does it trigger you back into those feelings of what you were going through during your infertility or have you kind of moved to a better place with that?
1: Um, I used to be so upset when people would comment or make snarky comments about me just crying wolf on social media. And I used to be really, really upset. But today, and I don't really know when the shift happened. But I feel that in order for you to not be triggered by other people, you have to recognize that their negative comments truly come from their own insecurities. And as much as that saying hurt people hurt people is super frustrating to me because it's like, well, go heal yourself. Don't hurt others. Like it is the reality of life. Hurt people will continue hurting people. And a lot of the times Mm -hmm. makes those people react is being triggered and they just don't know how to deal with that. It's their own raw Ron is that Ron is I'm using all kinds of weird words today. So please forgive me. Yeah, hey, no, it's your show. So <laughs> um, it's their own unhealed parts of themselves that are talking. And so a lot of the times I don't take things personally. And if people want to attack me, if people want to call me, whatever if they want to judge me they're not judging me because of me they're judging me from their from their own space their inability to understand where i'm coming from it's on my page where i talk about if you don't understand our pain then consider that a privilege and a lot of the times it's their own privilege of not knowing what it's like to grieve to lose something to not have things go your way that you can't relate to us and so when those people will comment in the beginning, I would just block them. And I was like, Oh, can't have you in my life. But now I keep them because you know what, I think it is important for us to continue sharing our stories vulnerably. And to the extent that we feel comfortable doing so a it allows us to maybe be the lesson to those people. And soften their hearts by continuously hearing what we go through, but B, don't let anybody break you down. A lot of the times what people think about you, what people say about you, what people judge you, it's really, it's not about you. It's about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what helps me get through the day and through those negative comments that it's not about me, it's about them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's really powerful. And like you said, hurt people, hurt people. And I think we forget that a lot and and we do take it personally, but like, you're just such an inspiration to a lot of women out there to, you know, to not take it personally when it is such a personal topic. So I, I think that's amazing advice. Um, You mentioned during your story that, you know, you didn't have a lot of support um, and that you, you know, found that support online, um, in your own experience, you know, can you talk a little bit about what that lack of support meant for you? I don't know if it was like from friends or family or, you know, and kind of how you, how you were able to find that online then, because I think a lot of people do struggle with a support system from their friends and family when they're going through infertility. Um, and that's, that's really sad. And it's really hard. Um, and I just kind of want to bring, you know, some shed some light on that or, you know, provide a sense of, of community for that to know that there is support out there in other areas if you don't have it at home.
1: Yeah, of course. So I didn't have support from family. I didn't have support from friends. And I'll retract that a, a little I did have support in the beginning because everybody was like, oh, okay, that's really sad Anya. I'm so sorry about your miscarriage. I'm so sorry you can't get pregnant. Blah, blah, blah. But the longer you continue staying in the trenches of infertility, the quicker your support tapers off because I think people just get tired of it. And eventually they'll kind of like, oh my God, like she's just too much. I can't deal with Mm -hmm. her story. And they start moving kind of further and further away from you. And when you're in the infertility for three, five, six, seven years, you slowly find yourself very much alone. Like your circle Mm -hmm. starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And for me, during IVF, I was going through it, our final round, or only round, actually, I shouldn't be saying that final round, Um, during 2020. So it was during COVID. And it was just my ex husband and I and we had just one friend in our like little group that was a teacher, she's a teacher, and she was working from home. So like, we trusted her. And my husband ended up cheating on me with her. Uh, But that's a whole another story. So ironically, When I found Instagram community, and I found it by posting something about my failure on my personal page using hashtag of either IVF or infertility or failure or miscarriage, whatever that was, it allowed me to kind of find that, holy moly, there's a lot of posts about that same hashtag. And I ended up following following that hashtag and seeing all the posts and come to find out later, there's a lot more like me out there. And so I kind of started thinking because I come from family with addiction, and my brother was in on narcotic anonymous meetings. And so I remember when he was going through treatment, he basically eliminated everybody outside from his life. And he created this little closed in circle of NA friends. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, I am going to kind of follow the same methodology and just kind of like surround myself with people that understand what I'm going through and share my story with the people that understand what I'm going through. So that led me to creating my initial infertility page and I stopped posting all the infertility stuff on my personal page. Sometimes I'll tag, you know, just to kind of like if I want to share. And so that's kind of what led me into this infertility space and finding my village and the village starts tapering off depending on where those people are in their process. And you can kind of do it yourself, too. I mean, like if you're going through treatment with three other women and two of them end up having a successful pregnancy and you and the other person are not, you're Mm -hmm. obviously going to flock towards the one that's in the same boat as you. And I think we should be I don't want to use words smarter, but we should be smarter of those who we keep around us. If we have people that trigger us based on their current situation, it's okay to set boundaries and walk away from them. When I was pregnant in January with my topic pregnancy, I was talking to this girl, Caitlin, online, and Mm -hmm. she is from the East Coast. So her and I were pregnant at the same time. She ended up having a baby and I didn't. And there was a time in our friendship that she didn't know what to say to me. And I thought she was ignoring me. And she thought I was ignoring her. And so there's just, there came a point where I was like, are you mad at me? And she's like, I thought you were mad at me. Mm -hmm. So number one, I'd like to recommend to everybody, be honest, be open, be transparent. If you've been close to somebody and all of a sudden you feel triggered by them, let them know you're going to take a break. And if you're close with somebody and they're triggering you, you let them know that they're triggering you and maybe they'll understand they can adjust their behavior or pull back a little, but we need to be in charge of our own life. We Mm -hmm. can't expect other people to read our minds and do what we need. And so share your story openly, talk about what you want to talk about and those who want to be around you will be around you and those who don't won't. But Mm -hmm. I think a, you need to openly ask for help. B Openly tell set your boundaries and tell them like, look, your pregnancy conversations are a little hurtful. Do you mind if maybe we don't talk about this? I'm comfortable talking about anything else. Mm-hmm. But can we not talk about this? When I was going through a separation, a friend of mine got engaged. And I was like, Listen, I'm incredibly happy for you. Congratulations. But it's a little harsh for me right now. So I am still your friend, but your happy-go-lucky marriage preparations are a little tough for a woman that's going through separation and potentially divorce.
0: And I think, like you said, you can say it respectfully like that. I mean, that's a great way to, you know, you don't have to be confrontational about it. And like you said, people can, women can still be friends, you know, after or even during these things, but Yeah, just saying it respectfully. And I think all those things, being honest, we're not good at that as women, like saying what we need and saying what we want. And
1: well, because we've been so conditioned to just kind of bow down and do as we are told, we have to be this, these obedient little girls from day one. What I'll say to everybody and anybody is that infertility has really honestly taught me how to be comfortable in my own skin, how to own my own story. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm going to be who I, I'm going to be. And I'm going to feel my feelings. And if you don't like them, I'm sorry, but that's my life. And if you don't want to hear about my feelings, then imagine what it's like living with them.
0: And that's kind of a great segue into my next question is, I mean, what do you wish you know you could tell your younger self when you were first starting this journey of infertility or or didn't know that you were going to be on this journey of infertility what would you have wanted to tell yourself you know now that you know what you know um there's quite a few things
1: number one i would not change anything honestly as much as i wish i was a mom i am very very happy to be where i'm at i have two beautiful dogs or a family of three And I am so incredibly fortunate to be where I'm at. Uh, But a couple of things I would like to tell myself when it all started. You're not defined by your status, your marital status, your maternal status, how many children you have or don't have. You Mm -hmm. are beautiful, whole, and worthy. And you do have a place on this earth regardless of what you do or don't do. We all serve a purpose and we all have... We, we do have a reason for existing and motherhood is not one of them. Um, the other thing I would probably say, share your story from the very beginning for what it's worth, regardless of what it is, just share it, talk about it, make it okay. And the other thing, don't stop your life for infertility, continue doing what you need to be doing, go to school, go on that vacation, accept that promotion. Go live your life because if it doesn't work out, besides becoming childless and accepting that and grieving this, everything else you've kind of stopped and placed on hold because what if I have a kid? Mm -hmm. Those items, those things that you didn't do, those promotions you didn't take, those trips you didn't, you prolonged would only hurt you even more because you've put so much more on the back burner to not end up where you were hoping to be. And the other thing I'll say is that when everybody tells you what's meant to be mm-hmm. will always find you, there's no such a thing what's meant to be. Like I'm so sorry to break this to you. And by the way, it's 11:11. 11, 11. <laughs> and I'm not doing this for time, but everybody believes that 11:11 11, 11 is like a lucky number. And I do like the 111. Um so anyway, what's meant to be is going to find you. No. There is nothing that's meant to be. You truly create your own destiny, the way you carry yourself, the way you experience life, the way you take things. And I wouldn't take things personally. Even infertility is not personal. It's just the shitty lock of the draw.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that Um, because it is so true and we do take it personal and we do feel like we failed somehow or our body failed us or you know, we, we failed as a wife, you know, we couldn't give our spouse children or give ourselves children. And, but, you know, we really didn't like it, it just, some of us are, you know, that was our path and some of us, it wasn't so. Exactly. And, and
1: let me look, and Charlie, I'm going to ask you this, like, imagine if every woman was a mom of three, Mm -hmm. like how pathetic would that be? Yeah. There's going to be no diversity. There's going to be nothing to, I I don't want to say compare, but there is going to be no, there's no duality to life, right? It's just, everybody's the same and how boring.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know for me being, you know, child-free, I really gravitated towards my aunts and other women Mm -hmm. that when I was growing up were also child-free or childless, you know, whatever you want to define yourself as. And I think those women are actually some of the most important role models in a young girl's life, because they can, yep. you know, be there in different ways than a, a mother can, um, and so, like you said, I think it's so important to to have all that diversity and to, you know, grow up around different people that have different paths. and And you said about your two dogs, you know, like my two dogs are my children, and yeah, um, and I love the dog mom community too. And not that that's you know what we're we're talking about today, but yeah, there's just so much more to life and so much more to being a woman. Than just being a mother. And I just think when you're going through the infertility journey, you know, you you lose sight of that. And you it's do. important to always come back to that and remember that you are worth it, regardless of what your life looks like, you know. Yeah. And I have somebody
1: that reached out to me recently on LinkedIn. Him and I went to college together years, years ago. And he's like, how are you doing? And I was like, thriving. I was like, I'm divorced and unemployed. Like <laughs> I just got laid off. So, um, and he was like, oh my gosh, I was unemployed too. Or he just got laid off. And so he asked me about my divorce and he's like, may I ask you a personal question? I was like, of course. And he's like, did your infertility cause your divorce? And I was like, absolutely not mm-hmm. it was like and so we started talking about it. he's like i'm kind of going through this with my wife and i said let's just call him joe for the sake of the conversation and i said yeah. joe i'll be honest with you i'm going to ask you a really really honest question did you marry your wife for reproductive benefits only and i don't know who was having the issue with the whole infertility thing was it her was it him and he was like no Mm-hmm. And I said, you married your wife or she married you because she loved you and you loved her. You wanted to spend the rest of your life with that individual, regardless of what life brought to you. You didn't talk about where you guys going to live. You didn't talk about having a dog, which countries you're going to visit. Yeah. Why is it all of a sudden when a woman or a man is unable to contribute to the conception of a child? Like, why do we let that person down? Why do we feel that all of a sudden we're so unworthy? It's because the society has made us believe that that's what a
0: family is supposed to look like. Yes. And I know in my situation, you know, it was both my husband and myself that had issues, you know, reproductively. So that made it a little easier pill to swallow. But I mean, exactly what you said, you know, we don't marry that. I didn't marry my husband with the fact of like, oh, he's going to be able to give me children, you know, like I married him because I loved him and he was my best friend and and he still is, you know, so that, yeah, I, I just want to thank you for sharing that. Cause I don't think people think of marriage or relationships in that way. And I think that's really sad, you know? Right. It is.
1: And I think I'll, I'll say this and it goes even further, right? Like, okay, let's say you have a baby and all of a sudden your baby doesn't look it has brown eyes It has curly hair and you wanted a baby to look just like the two of you and both of you have straight hair and blue eyes are you going to reject that baby because if we're going to be attaching to our marital happiness and success to all the outside factors then then that's it's it's a contractual obligation rather than a happy marriage and so when i married my husband it had nothing to do with children it had everything to do with how i viewed him and how we complemented each other and how much we enjoyed doing wonderful things together traveling experiencing new foods concerts shows there's just so much we were so outdoorsy and those are the things that i think made us compatible those are the things i was marrying him for is the companionship is somebody that i could spend the rest of my life with doing fun things having a baby would have definitely put a damper on a lot of those experiences. So Mm -hmm. I think society has made women, it's really selling us so short. Women are not your cooks, your housekeepers, and your moms, like, because there's so much more to us than just being a mother.
0: Yeah. And do you find that, I mean, because you said you get a lot of questions asked as far as, did your infertility contribute to your divorce? Is that you know, mostly coming from women? Or do you get that from men too? Um... It's funny. um,
1: I do get it 50-50. And men ask me this. It's funny and it's not funny because I could not believe that people truly could feel that a marriage would end because I wasn't able to have a child. And Mm -hmm. it makes me really sad that do you really think that a marriage is that shallow? The commitment is that irrelevant. Like when you say for better or for worse, so whatever infertility is beyond worse, right? So like it's so irreversible that there is no future. And what I tell people about the divorce, divorce has nothing to do with infertility. Mm
0: -hmm. Like people
1: don't divorce because one person couldn't give them a child. Divorce happens when there's lack of commitment. Divorce happens when one or both individuals decide mm-hmm. that they would rather, I don't know, my divorce didn't happen because of that. My divorce happened because it happened. I I struggle with that because my husband and I didn't divorce because we couldn't have kids. To be honest, if we had kids, we would have still been here. As a matter of fact, I think if we had a child early on, we would have been divorced sooner because mm-hmm. my husband my ex-husband had a huge need for attention. And if I had a baby, he would have not had attention much longer. And so I think when I started grieving the infertility, the childlessness, the hysterectomy, having all of that happening during COVID and still kind of a lockdown because it was at the beginning of 2021 Mm -hmm. and feeling so alone, I wasn't able to function. And I think what happened in my particular situation was that I wasn't able to be there for him. And I think he drifted apart, Mm -hmm. we drifted apart, he found a different source of support. That's what happened in my marriage. Mm -hmm. A lot of marriages happen for very, or a lot of divorces happen for very similar reasons. Infertility is an excuse. Yes.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone can define one thing that contributes to the dissolution of their marriage. You know, like my parents have both been married and divorced a few times, and they would tell you, and I think anyone would tell you that it's it's not just one thing. And I think it's unfair of people to assume that you know assume that your divorce was because of your infertility, and and that too like places the blame all on one person essentially. If that person is the one that you know, say it was me that had the um, infertility issues and we, you know, separated or divorced. Well, then it becomes like my fault that we divorced. And it's never, it's never one person's fault. Just like a marriage isn't, you don't go into a marriage thinking, oh, I'm really kind of in this by myself. It's just me, you know, like, so it doesn't make sense to me that we look at divorce the same way.
1: Yeah. It's not black and white. And I think for us, our human mind is so complex however when it comes to identifying and root causing an issue we want to simplify it and assign it assign blame mm-hmm. and assign responsibility and we want it to be so easy easily identifiable it's like oh obviously like they he or she must have cheated or obviously it's because she couldn't have kids and both of those things could be very true But that's truly not the reason. And one of the things we talked in our marital counseling prior to divorce was that when you argue about like um, dishes in the sink, it's really never about the dishes. It's about so much more. And that's the and that's the thing. It's not just infertility. And unfortunately, some people don't know how to deal with obstacles. Some people don't know how to deal with setbacks. Some people don't Mm -hmm. know how to deal with grief. And it, it all is a contributing factor. So did my infertility cause my divorce? No it highlighted a lot of other issues. And I also feel that for me, it allowed me to basically know when enough was enough. I Mm -hmm. ended up moving out of the house very abruptly. It, It was kind of like, look, we're not having productive conversations. And I just packed my bag and I moved out. Mm -hmm. It was March of last year. And and as much as I wasn't willing to give up on the marriage, but I also wasn't willing to move back home. There was a lot that needed to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it takes two people. And that's kind of where I'm at today as one person.
0: Well, I think, I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, I feel like you're still doing amazing, just as one person. And thank you. You know, you have so much to offer. And where do you see, or what do you wish, you know, for your page and your journey, like moving forward? You know, what does that look like for you, or what would, what would you want that to look like? You know, it's funny you ask
1: because. I've really struggled with my page uh, ever since like separation and then divorce because I struggle grieving my losses because it didn't work out with my husband. Like, how can I possibly grieve the losses of babies from a man that I'm no longer married to from a man that abandoned me in the darkest times from a man, the marriage basically just like disappeared. The life I once had is no Mm -hmm. more. Everything I believe to be true is gone. So I struggle with this whole infertility thing. um, But it's still part of my journey. It's still part of who I am. And it's, it built me into the woman that I am today. Um, I think what I'm pivoting more towards is self-realization, wholeness, um, and not letting you, being defined by marital status or your motherhood status. I think in the end, what I would love to see my page eventually transition to is children or no children, you're still you. And a lot of my recent posts kind of talked about the duality of motherhood and not motherhood. We still face similar sets of issues and expectations as women Mm -hmm. right so i think that's kind of where i would love to see my page go uh i think i'm going to keep my handle as finding childless joy because at the end of the day you can be childless and still happy Mm -hmm. and just because you call yourself child free also does not mean that you don't experience grief so those two are very much interchangeable and very much go side by side and hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like that could be a whole topic for another. No. <laughs> the child free versus childless. It's such a buzzword and such, you know, it evokes such emotion in people. And a lot yeah, of strong emotions. Yeah. I love that direction that you want to go. And I think that that's, you know, something that, again, is really missing in the whole infertility um, space. So you, know, you and I are both kind of in the after of it. And there's just not a lot of information out there for, for women like us that, you know, are living happy, fulfilled lives. And I'm married, you're not, but it's mm-hmm. still possible, you know, regardless of your situation. And mm-hmm. I think that that would be an amazing direction for you to show like that that's possible. Thank you.
1: And I think what I would also love to kind of point at is, and maybe that's going to be like a channel of what I talk about is that don't give up on your life just because you're going through infertility. Also, don't give up on your marriage just because you're going through infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my really close friends, she went to the doctor and something was wrong with her pregnancy at the time. They were waiting a couple of days, whether or not it's a viable pregnancy or not. So I went ahead and googled what can they do as a couple, and I booked them like a river cruise or like a sunset cruise in the Bay area because that's where they live. Oh my gosh. I love that. And her husband and her have lived there for a long time. And she's like, we've never done that. And so like they went. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to still schedule time for you as a couple. I think it's so important for both parties in the marriage to continue being, um, involved partners right just because i'm going through ivf treatments doesn't mean that i am disabled and you abandon me on the couch right. for, the, for the next 14 days or like you know it's just so important to continue living your life regardless of what's happening obviously maybe don't drink alcohol maybe don't smoke weed maybe don't go bungee jumping but still do fun things and also goes to husbands like you can still take your wife out to a bar at night, and she can get uh, Shirley Temple, but you can still date her. Yeah, she's pregnant or she's going through infertility treatments. She's not dead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. No, that's that's so good. I love that. Yeah. So. I don't want to, you know, I want to respect your time and, you know, wrap this up here a little bit, but if there, you know, where can people find more information about you? You know, I know you have your Instagram page, um, whatever you want to share as far as where to reach out to you, if they want to just commute, you know, get in touch with you, share their stories. Yeah. Um,
1: so you can find me on find, hold on, I have to open that, uh, (laughs) finding.childless.joy. Um, I also have a link to my email there. So feel free to send me an email. And that's kind of where I currently reside is those two spaces. Uh, my email is navigatingchildless at gmail.com. Feel free to send me an email there. Feel free to send me a message on my Instagram page. I am always there. I try to kind of um, check it daily more than once. So uh, if I take a break I promise I'll probably be back the next day.
0: Awesome. And we'll put that information in the show notes too, so that you guys all have it. Yeah. I just encourage you to go to her page. Her posts are amazing. Um, you know, like I said, she's one of the most raw and real people that I've ever come across in the infertility space and just in general on Instagram. Um, so thank you so much, Anya, for, you know, being here today and talking about your story and, of course. um, yeah, it's, you're doing amazing. And I think a lot of women are going to find your, your story and your posts really inspirational. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Charlie. I really appreciate you reaching out
1: to me and for being there and honestly, like giving me the purpose to continue sharing my story because it's comments like yours that are like, you've given me space and you made me feel seen. Like that's what I think truly drives
0: me. So Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Thanks again. And I really appreciate it. So we will um, talk to you soon. Of course, we'll talk soon. If you liked this episode, be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps the show and helps me know the exact information that you, my listeners, want to talk about. Stay tuned for next week's episode.